Welcome to Don't You Want Me, a podcast series taking a light-hearted look at the most relatable, intriguing and dysfunctional relationships in film. I'm Kat. I'm Rich. I can't do this. Sure you can. Who knows, you might like it. It's a killer rush. Buddy, this is your fucking wake-up call, man. I am an FBI agent. I know, man. Isn't it wild? In this episode, we're talking about Catherine Bigelow's 1991 hit, Point Break. With a screenplay by W. Peter Eiliff and giving Keanu Reeves his first ever role in an action film, Point Break has been referred to by Rolling Stone magazine as the wet western that might be the greatest female gaze action movie ever. Pulling on Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon masks with us tonight are Johnny Utah, played by Keanu Reeves, and Bodie, played by Patrick Swayze. Is this relationship the ride of a lifetime during a 50-year storm, or should we back off War Charles seriously? <laughs> the idea of it being a, a wet western it's um i think it's kind of a, a perfect description really as you look back at old westerns and and there is this kind of rivalry slash mentorship between Bodie and johnny the, the way that we know from the beginning that johnny is an fbi agent he's was the elite from quantico he's the clarice starling of his intake i suppose but he's um he goes off and he hunts and, and he comes across the person well not initially he's not initially looking for Bodhi and then once he yeah. realizes that this person that he's formed this really strong bond with is actually the guy that he's been after all along the, the way that the the relationship evolves and changes throughout the film it's it's interesting to follow how they still maintain it even to the end it's a cops and robbers thing to some extent on on one layer and i mean the the western one is great but there's also this platonic i'll say love but there there is this bond between them that i found really fascinating to follow watching it with these don't you want me eyes that seeing them together on screen and and their interactions and and the way that it's really caught the imaginations of a lot of people i oh. i think it's it's amazing to see and and i mean when you watch it and this is one of the few films that we've done so far where it's not a a standard romantic relationship there's no bromance or anything going on between them two these are just two guys who have formed a strong bond but looking at it through our eyes now I mean how how do you see how the how they begin together I mean that their first meeting on on the beach I mean what, what did you think about that in terms of the way that they met and the their meet cute as it were well it's it's interesting that Bodhi is someone that used to be with Tyler, and the fact that Tyler is the person that uh Johnny gets together with, and as the film goes on, we see them having a love affair, and she is someone that initially saves Johnny Utah's life. You see that uh, Johnny is really attracted to her, and he kind of, you know, he, she sort of knocks him off his game a bit. And the fact that Bodie is this constant link to both, um, like the adrenaline rush of what it feels like to go surfing, and also the adrenaline rush of what it feels like to fall in love with someone, and that person for Johnny is Tyler. 
that first meeting where you see him kind of creep up behind Tyler and sort of like throw her over his shoulder or something to give her a bit of a shock you sort of see how his there's something about his charisma and his confidence in the group of people that he knows it means that even people you know even ex-lovers of his he still has this kind of magnetism with them and this charm with them and they you know they're they're still sort of in his sights and kind of within his power if that makes sense so I think that really really sets up the narrative between him and Johnny because you see that once once you have Bodie in your life it's really hard to drag yourself away from him isn't it? It is and, and I think that's one of the things about Patrick Swayze in, in general in, in a lot of his films is that this charisma is there as a to say as an alpha is is a bit easy when you think of some other roles that he's played but he does have this charisma where as you say he, he refers to it on a number of occasions that Tyler was his girl to Johnny in a way that perhaps in more conventional friendships that might not come up or it might be a, a sticking point it might be a, a cause of of some contention but he treats it you know he, he has a perhaps a less conventional lifestyle. He isn't this kind of nuclear family guy. And you see that when he gives almost speeches to the the rest of the gang, they hang off his every word and it's he displays this leadership that they look up to, that that people aspire to and, and his way of living, you know, his his ultimate goal, you know, is to ride this fifty year storm. It's not to rob the most banks mm. it's not to evade capture by the law albeit that's kind of that gets to to the finale but he's this guy who he's like you know in, in religious circles you know like as someone that people look up to and that's how johnny yeah comes across him as well you know he sees this guy that people can't can't leave alone and even johnny you know he's he, he's what you'd imagine to be a very conventional guy he it's almost like a cliche where he could have been a football player, but then he got his knee hurt, so he went into the FBI and he was top of his class and all that. And to watch his evolution throughout the film as well, because he's under Bodhi's wing and, and Bodhi takes him on as a almost like a protege, he sees a lot of himself in there and all this stuff about taking him to the edge and, and things like that. And essentially yeah. you don't always see that in Keanu Reeves, but I think the fact that Swayze plays Bodhi so well makes it believable and I think as a pair they work together and and I think that together they're more than the sum of their parts oh completely completely I mean you can see through Patrick Swayze's performance that that Bodhi genuinely really does get something out of introducing Johnny to that world I mean the it is it, it, there. There is a sort of element of it that's quite romantic when he comes and uh, you know the whole back off war child seriously scene, which I love, uh, with him kicking all of them away from Johnny. The two of them sort of doing away with that gang, and then later on at the party when they're playing football later on that night, you have Bodie kind of coming in, getting Tyler and Johnny to. To come, to come surfing that night and that's the night that Johnny really nails surfing and you can see that Bodie actually gets a, a genuine a genuine enjoyment from sort of seeing you know introducing 
introducing that will to Johnny and and that he has that respect like they have a kind of mutual respect for each other don't they that really comes through they do and and weirdly when you when we've talked previously about the the motivations of each character a lot of them you know that they're coming from very different sides and we're following from the beginning Johnny Utah Um, he's graduating from the FBI he's gone to Los Angeles to investigate bank robberies he's a clean cut he's you know he's an agent he's looking to catch some serial bank robbers and and working with the the wonderful Gary Busey (laughs) and and the fact is that we see a lot of surfing going on we do have an early robbery by the the ex-presidents it's not immediately obvious who who is who yes um and so we know Johnny's role in this is the cop. He's out to catch the bad guys. Yeah. And over the course of the movie, it becomes apparent that Bodie and, and the rest of that lot are who he's after. Yeah. And that, that's what makes it so interesting because it's not, you know, there's a lot of films where it's a cop and robber, it's or similar, and they get close. I mean, we could talk about Face Off, we can talk about all these films where how they make that interesting. But here, they both, oh, certainly the point where he becomes aware that Bodhi is the robber, how they manage to make that interesting, how they keep that dynamic going, albeit it's clearly forced in that they both know, but they still keep it going and it's parodied and it's joked about in other films. Mm. But from each one's point of view, they both want to see where the ride takes them because the film would end very quickly if in that the storm drain sequence if, if Johnny shoots Bodie in the back mm. or when he's climbing the fence, that's the film over because that's what your top cop is going to do. But because they've got that bond, you've got that brilliant scene that they joke about in Hot Fuzz where he starts shooting in the air yeah. instead of shooting this guy that he's say, in love with, <laughs> this guy yeah. that he's he, he looks up to so hugely. And I think um, that could be done really badly. And yeah. the fact that they've made it work that well. And it's, the, you know, the performances, but the writing as well, the direction to to keep us kind of engaged. And, you know, all along we're still, we're, we're talking about a guy who's looking to catch these robbers, but it is this big wave that they want to see. It's Johnny's on his own 50-year storm wave of, you know, wanting yeah. to see yeah. where, where he goes with Bowden. I think, you know, fr- from his motivation, it's great. Um, and what, what do you reckon about sort of from Bodie's point of view? I mean, I think that the, what um, Catherine Bigelow does in this in this film is she captures the natural world in a way that very few other sort of you know mainstream, particularly action films, do. I think that one of the one of the reasons why I liked watching this film so much when I was growing up was because I was growing up near the sea, and there's something about the way she shoots. Uh, the waves and the kind of atmosphere of what it feels like to be kind of in in that world and away from I mean they even kind of play it for last when they have Johnny kind of bringing his surfboard into this sort of cramped very stuffy looking office you know you can sort of see that he's genuinely getting attracted to this other world that he's meant to be looking into just to sort of nail nail these bank robbers but he he really finds it sort of on a visceral level really quite magnetic and I think that that's what Bodhi stands for is this person that can kind of draw draw you in 
to understanding his value system. I mean, he has that incredible quote, doesn't he? This was never about money for us. This was us against the system, that system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something in dead souls inching along the freeway in metal coffins. We stand for something. You know, it's it's that I think I think that the reason why this relationship is so watchable is because there's something about Bodhi that that does sort of, you know, I, and I suppose it is quite Gen X, isn't it? It's sort of like he offers everyone the, the idea of what it would be like to escape, you know, to a different, freer world where you're just day-to-day experiencing pleasure. And, and I, I think that's why it's such a good film is because it doesn't offer any easy answers. I think a lot of other action films, you know, they kill they kill the bad guys and the good guys win. At the end of Point Break, it's really ambiguous as to kind of, you know, what the answer, you know, what is the perfect balance that you're meant to be striking between someone who has been doing things for other people as Johnny has up until this point in life and Bodhi who's kind of completely breaking all the rules of society you know it kind of offers up that dilemma and I don't think I think it kind of leaves you thinking doesn't it that's why it sticks with you as a film well I I like the scene where they go for this where Johnny does his first real ride on the waves and Tyler points out to him you know you 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 know, she'd seen him up till now and it's all very, you know, he's quite stuffy and he's claiming to be a lawyer. And where she says that he looks free and that he looks happy for the first yes. time. Yes. And, and there's this whole kind of awakening in his eyes that, you know, perhaps this is the life for him. Completely. Um, I suppose a lot of people have midlife crisis or something like that, but Keanu Reeves <laughs> is, is, in, is, is in his early 20s. It's. I mean, but it's so funny. That's so interesting. You should say that because it, it hasn't really, it hadn't occurred to me before. But actually, even though this role in this film is a, is you know was very different from the kind of roles that Patrick Swayze was doing before this, narratively speaking, it's not actually a million miles away from Dirty Dancing in no. a sense. Because she, she, like you say, baby is you know sort of around the set. I mean, she's a bit younger than Johnny's meant to be, but they're both you know these young people that are kind of sort of dedicated student you know they want to do right by their parents and then they enter into this world and someone played by Patrick Swayze sort of shows them what (laughs) what real pleasure feels like (laughs) and um and yeah and at the end of both films I think you kind of don't really know how the protagonist is gonna exactly how they're going to kind of incorporate this new lease of life they've had into their into the world that they'll go into when they go into their, you know, 30s and 40s or whatever. But um, but that's sort of why they're they're quite great in that way. I mean, um, do you think there's something about the relationship between the two of them where it, it's quite universal in the sense that it captures that thing of if you meet someone who introduces you to something new, and that could be like, whether it be the natural world or having a really good time in bed together or excellent snacks or whatever. (laughs) Once you see that they're, you know, once you see there's a bad side of them where you think, oh, actually, maybe it's not a very good idea for me to be spending a lot of my time with this person, you start to really kind of try and make excuses for them because you desperately want to, you know, be around this new thing that you've been introduced to. So in order to keep getting your fix of whatever it is you're newly addicted to, you're like, oh, maybe they're not so bad. Oh, you know, maybe it's, maybe there's just a series of misunderstandings, all of this, you know, shady behaviour. What what do you think about that? 
I guess that's it's kind of <laughs> common in films where, and it's the difference between say, and the easy comparison is this to say Bill and Ted, where Bill and Ted are very similar. They yeah. are on the same wavelength on almost everything, and they're not learning much from each other. They might be learning from their experiences and their adventures, or very excellent adventures, and so on. But but then when you compare this to, and I suppose a the fascinating bit of this is where Bodhi is kind of trying to bring Johnny out of himself. He's trying to show him new things. He's trying to teach him new things. And that's where a lot of the, the more interesting relationships in a lot of films come from. It's, there's nothing about being best friends and stuff, but it's kind of, there's always that narrative of, say in Star Wars, where yeah. Luke Skywalker's exposed to the Force and he thinks it's all really great until he suddenly starts learning about the bad things that it's or or where it's become an issue in yes. that you know there's the line about what i said was true from a certain point of view and when you suddenly realize there's two sides to it and you kind of pick a side and you're stuck with it and i think with this perhaps if bodie wasn't doing bank robberies then it wouldn't have brought them together but they're also um maybe they would have gone on to be the best of friends or they would have gone off doing this stuff together but in the end Johnny's career while he tosses his badge away at the end which would be a fine I think if you do that in real life um it's um <laughs> it's it's one of those things where he allows the guy to get away knowing it's going to lead him to certain death yeah but it's it's he still has that bond that he's kind of like do I take him? Do I take him away? And when you know, Bodhi says you can't put me in a cage. Yeah, it's things like that where he kind of says, "This guy has taught me so much about myself." Yeah, he's not, you know, and and you know, from a certain point of view, you know, it costs a lot of money to keep people in prison. So he's really doing the Australian government a lot of a lot of good. Yeah, I'm um, not of it that way. Yeah. But um, yeah, by by allowing him to go off and 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 die probably, and yeah. certainly doing that surfing at the end I think it's kind of the bond is there it's deep enough that he's willing to do that my whole life has been about this moment Johnny come on compadre come on And I think that's what you kind of need to do with a mentor-mentee style relationship is, you know, I think had he arrested him at the end, mm. it, it would have felt a bit too formulaic and a bit too much like that's not in the spirit of the film. Yeah, it's quite, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think this film came out the same year as Thelma and Louise and the ending is very similar in, in a lot of ways, isn't it? It's that. Both, both of those films, there's no easy answers and this relationship kind of exists outside all of those parameters. Maya con Dios. You need to have enough films where the good guy, where Rocky wins, or mm. you need to have enough of those films to make these ones work, um, yeah. where it goes against the grain, I think. And um, perhaps in, in, a, in 2021, had this been made, Bodie would have been arrested which would have been a perfect setup for the sequel. Yeah. But I guess that's, that's thankfully, we never had that. And I, I think they remade the film a few years ago, but I yeah, never I saw it. Yeah, I think they it, did, but, didn't um, they? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Tell you what film I think that it's a bit 
like, but mm. <laughs> never occurred to me before. One that I talked to you about before on your Betamax podcast. I think it's a little bit like a fish called Wanda. Okay. I like that. <laughs> so if you think about Bodhi, Bodhi is is Archie's Wanda, and like Johnny Ooh. is Archie. Okay. And got the whole bank robbery aspect of it in there. And obviously, tonally, a fish called Wanda is extremely different. But <laughs> but what but you know, they resolve a fish called Wanda in this kind of a similar way. They just kind of get out of that situation. Wanda starts a new life with Archie. Archie, you know, packs in his job and it sort of has that same feeling of like, you know, she's taught him this kind of new new way to live. And the film isn't telling you that her way of living is the right way to live either. But um it's that it's like there's it's funny, there's a little kind of flurry of films around this moment in time. It's like this sort of anti-repression moment in history isn't it that's sort of being being explored through all of these relationships in these films yeah i mean that was kind of i suppose peaked in in the truman show and i guess he kind of realized his purpose wasn't actually his purpose but i guess it's i mean it's amazing when you think about how many films could be linked to this and, and yeah. they share so many bonds i mean you know even when you talked earlier about um Dirty Dancing, and there was another one earlier apparently where they he said Bodhi said to Johnny that his board he referred to it as a '57 Chevy, which was the car he had in Dirty Dancing. Oh, but, um, really? you know, and there's all these little yeah. things like that, and um, I mean, I love love all that stuff. But it's um, but but as a pair, when you look at the chemistry between them, mm. and and I'll be honest, it's driven mostly by Bodhi because he is. Patrick Swayze is Mr. Charisma, isn't he? But he's um the the way that he takes him under his wing at the football match when he realizes he knows who Johnny Utah is, you know. And of course, it's, it's kind of I've joked about it on on other things where, weirdly, you know, when people claim to know stuff, I guess it's easier in an internet age. But this was pre-internet, so you can't really lie about this kind of stuff. Because yeah. oh, I saw you three years ago at the pro. Super Bowl or whatever and you know he knows him he, he has a respect for him because when they play football he didn't back off he actually drove him in the tackle into the sea yeah. and you know from a beginning you know he he sees in him that he's not a quitter he's not a you know he's fully committed to everything and yeah. you know that stuff and like I said the, the shower fight sounds like a totally different film <laughs> Back off, War Child, seriously. I think it's about the two of them. I mean, I can I completely agree that the Patrick Swayze performance is, you know, if you if you take that out of the film, you've got a completely different film, and it's and it's so and it's so important. But I think there's something about Keanu Reeves here, like the his his kind of vulnerability and this this sort of feeling that there is about his performances in some of these action films, where he's got this sort of impressionable quality and this sort of kind of strange sensitivity about him that makes him very good in a film like this or in a film like Speed, where if you put someone much more conventionally macho in that role, the whole thing just becomes too overkill, you know, like it, it loses its kind of... Um, ever. So, I suppose he has a sort of slightly feminine quality that I think actually makes him in some of these action films like a really good balance to all the the kind of violence and stuff that's going on. And that's what makes the relationship between the two of them, the sort of chemistry, really complementary. 
because Patrick Swayze's energy is so different. Yeah, because I think like in, in, in that regard, there is more, you know, sometimes you look for chemistry to be equal and it's and in this way it's not but yeah. it's still that that's how it works together i suppose it is like a yin yang kind of thing where bodhi is more outgoing in that kind of way but he yeah. needs johnny's personality in in the way that he is and perhaps he's more driven in a more conventional way to allow that relationship to really flourish yes and when you look at it there is enough in there that that while johnny he needs to be kind of brought out of himself a little bit, but he does enough, his actions and, and his motivations at the end when they're skydiving, he jumps out of a plane without a parachute <laughs> to chase Bodhi to get his girlfriend back. In his actions, he shows that he's just as wild and just as crazy and just as carefree. Yeah. And he's taken Bodhi's advice on board because while at the beginning, he does show some sign of being a little bit outspoken and being a little bit of a smart ass when when Harps is introducing him to the office at the beginning and you kind of think when you see the opening kind of montage of him doing his shooting training and you're oh, 100% and the whole thumbs up meme and then um, <laughs> Harp gives him the whole dressing down when he says guess we must just have ourselves an arsehole shortage huh? and he says oh not so far you know there's all that stuff that he's there's that already in him, which is brought out. And I think there's that's why it's, it, it wouldn't be as believable if he was this completely straight-laced person. Yeah. He is a little bit, I would say, rebel. But the fact that he spends enough time with Angelo kind of learning both the good and the, and the bad points and then goes off to Johnny, it's almost like Angelo's kind of his, his uh, the stabilisers on his bike before yes. we can ride with the big boys but um it works so well and I'm so glad we did this because while obviously you know a lot of a lot of the films that we will and have spoken about are romantic relationships they're more conventional and in another world in another dimension we talk about the relationship either between Johnny and Tyler or maybe even Bodie and Tyler yeah but Obviously, the big relationship here is is Bodie and Johnny, and you know it, it takes the balance, and it doesn't have to be equal in every regard. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what any alternative casting might have been, but when you it, think about a remake that was done, probably for a big budget or something like that, that didn't land in any way, it's because it's so important to get that casting right. Yeah, and I think that the rant it it does something that you don't see enough in films where as as you say it's not it's not a romantic relationship but on the other hand there's lots of little elements to it where by the end of the film you still don't completely know what lies at its core there are that you know there are moments that feel a little bit homoerotic like the his you know Bodhi's line you want me so much it's like acid in your mouth and you know, and then there are then there are other moments that do feel kind of quite paternal, you know. And you think maybe you know maybe Johnny sort of sees him as someone that you can look up to. And I think that the casting really complements that feeling as well, because I think at that moment in time, because Keanu Reeves is someone that a lot of people predominantly knew from Bill and Ted, whereas Patrick Swayze, you know, felt 
you know, he's an older actor and people kind of knew him from other kinds of roles. So it was all, it was kind of like a sort of moment where it feels like an, an actor of a certain generation sort of handing something down to someone who seems kind of like a boy who's on the cusp of manhood or something like that. So it kind of it has all those little elements in it, doesn't it? And at the end of it, even the way Keanu Reeves looks um, on that beach at the end where he's let his hair grow long and he kind of looks like he's been trying to look a little bit more like Bodhi. Like Bodhi might have had, you know, quite a sort of profound influence on his life, not only because he feels like now he might just want to quit being a cop, but also, also, yeah, he just look he looks so different from the clean cut character that you see at the beginning of the film, doesn't he? Yeah, I, and I think that there is that, point of the evolution of both of them I mean particularly Johnny because he's he's the one who's going on a journey as such I, I think when you see and, and when you talked about you know the way the relationship changes and, and it's quite fluid yeah and I think it would have been quite easy we've talked about if this film were made now would there be any changes would the relationship become more love sex whatever Mm. than it is you know would they have chucked that in or would they have written that in to make it different more interesting I don't know I mean we're only you're talking about this film being only five years after Top Gun which people joke about being the most homoerotic film ever yes Um, and yet there was none of that in there well explicitly anyway but (laughs) the fact that they can go from friends mentors there is that father thing and I think they do well not to pigeonhole it too much and they don't refer to it too much either there is just this kind of the bond and you make your own inference yes and from your point of view what, what do you think about that because I think it explores how men can become you know they can become quite obsessed with other men not in the sense that they, um, I mean, I, I'm, and I'm talking in, in a heterosexual sense, you know, that they, they can be that thing sometimes. I mean, even the way, you know, men might follow Bond films or something, you know, you can have, you can have a thing sometimes where there's something about something, that, a quality maybe that another guy has that a lot of men can kind of covet that quality and want to be around him or aspire to be him. What, what do you have to say about that kind of thing? It's probably very common, you know, I mean, Bond is a very aspirational kind of person in, in many ways, oh, sorry, person, character in many ways, <laughs> but, um, you jest at a lot about my fascination with Don Draper from Mad Men, but... Yeah, would you jump out of a plane without a parachute for Don Draper? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I, wouldn't need to, I wouldn't need to jump. But it's, but, but, and I think a lot of it, you know, it, we... There is that thing where men, for various reasons, and you know, people say pigeonhole men, I, you know, they, they look for someone, whether it's as a father figure, as a older brother, younger brother, you know, that Bodhi may well be looking for someone who he may not be satisfied with the rest of his crew, or he may, or he's just come across Johnny and think, you know, what he might be, he's got potential, that kind of thing. So it works both yeah. ways, but, but I mean, a lot of people do look for someone who either makes them feel good about themselves or or sees potential in them that they haven't realized you know or 
people have affairs you know people go off and or people meet new friends you know when they take up new hobbies or something like that i mean surfing golf you know whatever (laughs) you know and they suddenly you know oh my best friend you know he's so good you know and they say nice things about them they they teach them new experiences you know this could be the this could be this you know go back 30 years it could be the person who introduced garlic bread Oh my God, you should, I never had garlic bread before. You know, this is, it could be, you know, very minor things like that. Yes. And maybe it is a man thing, I don't, I don't know. But it's, um, it's certainly something that I think a lot of people would look to. And maybe, and it wasn't necessarily explored because I think the relationship between Johnny and Angelo was in that trajectory. And, and you think that, you know, Johnny did look up to Angelo for all his yeah. kind of weird eccentric behaviours. You know, he wanted to hear his theory. He was fascinated by the fact that when they were talking about the wax, he said, I went off and became an expert about wax. Yeah. You know, that's the sort of thing that he w- He actually, there was a look where he kind of went, wow, you know, this guy is a lunatic, but he takes it seriously. Yes. I think there, there was something, he was clearly looking for something throughout the whole film. Yes, and I think that we shouldn't we shouldn't steer away from the fact that the main central relationship in this film is between Gary Busey and that meatball sub. Oh. So. Yeah. Here's the one that looks like a roadkill. A roadkill? Troy. Thank you very much. Here's your lemonade. Ah, thanks. Oh, whoa, whoa. She said Lincoln, pull up. I'm so hungry I could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino. I should have had you get me three of these things. What, Lincoln? I, I barely right. saw it and it, I was salivating. <laughs> When I, I, went, I went on um, a podcast called Caged In and did an episode with Petros about Saturday Night Fever on that podcast. And on, and on that, I tried to persuade him that the opening of Saturday Night Fever, where John Travolta orders two pieces of pizza, influences this scene. <laughs> and that just, that just everything, basically, in cinema revolves around Gary Boosie <laughs> <laughs> ordering two meatball subs. It's weird. It's, it's just, I think it kind of steals the film. But yeah, I think also the the relationship between Bodie and Johnny, I mean, in a darker sense, there are moments, the film goes on, when you're in like the last half hour, there's an element of it as well, where you kind of think, actually, as well as there being the things that he's done that have, um, you know, brought brought new life to Johnny in some ways, it's also actually quite a good exploration of what it's like when people are either in romantic relationships or in friendships that are quite abusive because... You know, they have him kind of showing him the footage of Tyler being tortured and sort of saying, oh, man, you know, I hate violence. It's just, you know, I could never do anything like that to her, but he will do something like that. And you think, wow, he's he's an incredible manipulator. There's a really dark and sinister side to this person who, you know, in some ways has got so much charm. Uh, and charisma and drive but also look at what he's capable of you know Mm. and and I think that's what makes the ending as well where Johnny lets him go really really kind of quite affecting and quite haunting is that you kind of think yeah there are some people that people will meet in their life you know and even if they treat you really really badly they'll have that hold over you forever you know and that and that really does happen between people doesn't it yeah and and I guess this is the you know thing they about people from cults or certain you know religious things or political leaders where 
people will follow them no matter what the harm is. You know, drinking the Kool-Aid, voting for someone because of the cult of personality rather than um, you know any any good they might do. Yeah. Um, and I think you know when when you see he kills someone in the bank, you know he he becomes the killer. Yes. You know that's when you you know you kind of think oh you lovable scamp you know you <laughs> you and your bank robberies you're not hurting anyone you know yeah a yeah. Vic- victimless crime and then it, it goes there and yes. suddenly it does become this this moral quandary but then there is also the thing that Bodie could just kill Johnny. Yes. Easily. But he he brings him along because, again, it's almost like it's the ride. It's how far will you go? Can you, you know, how much will you do to prove yourself or to get that rush or to do whatever? I mean, the scene where they're talking about who packed whose parachute. Yes. You know, there's, there's clearly no trust between them. And Completely. it still carries on and it's still great. And I think this is the third time I, I watched the film yesterday and it's the third time I've seen it in a couple of years and it gets better every time yeah I love it every time and (laughs) I think I went far too long without seeing it between whenever it was and and a couple of years ago and you know and it's not just because I wish I was Gary Busey or because (laughs) I think that the next time I go to my favorite barbecue restaurant I'm going to be ordering wishing I'd ordered three of these but um yeah um and and one other thing that we often talk about is um is who has the power and who holds the cards in the relationship and and i guess this is the thing where we often disagree about but i mean would it be fair to say that for the majority of the film it's bodhi until the finale yeah i think so i mean i think you could argue that even in the finale he does doesn't he because he persuades him to to be what mm. he wants to do. I mean, he has the, as I think you've touched on already, like the dialogue in this film, so much of it, I mean, it's so quotable, isn't it? There's there's so many things and, and so much of what's quotable goes to Bodhi, like the whole fear causes hesitation and hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. He has <laughs> so many, like that's the thing, his, he, he, the way he expresses himself you see how, in fact, actually, it reminds me a little bit of another Keanu Reeves film, which is The Devil's Advocate with Al Pacino in that. Like, um, Bodhi is very persuasive, even to the viewer, I think. You want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Yeah, I mean, some of his quotes, when you read them out of context on IMDb, they, they do look <laughs> like those really naff inspirational posters that you get in a middle manager's office um (laughs) which when it comes out of Swayze's mouth and he's looking like that on a beach yeah you'd happily follow him yeah and and then a lot of it you know is is when he says about if you want the ultimate you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price yes that is about there is that kind of alpha back to like wall street or something like that but it is funny because in a lot of these films where it is about a chase or it is about a hunt or an investigation, that kind of thing. The villain is normally that step ahead. And in this case, he is. And it wouldn't take much for Johnny, you know, on the flip side of the coin I mentioned before. Johnny could quite easily take Bodhi in or kill him if he's feeling that bad. Yeah. Um, but 
he wants to see where it takes him. And I guess, you know, you're not going to blow your, your cover like that straight away. He doesn't really get a lot of opportunity to do it. But I I, I do find it, there is that thing where, and, and again, you know, convince me slightly that maybe Bodhi, even at the end, you know, he's he's got enough influence and sway over Johnny and he's had enough of an impact that he has basically said, I'm wanted for murder and all these crimes, but let me go surfing. Yeah. I mean, it has a, it does have a, I think that's the thing when you, as you say, when you see so much of the dialogue of this and you think about some of the action sequences, you know, like them being chased through all of those gardens with, you know, having a dog thrown at you and, uh, the lawnmower and, and all of that there's there's so much of this film that's so that's obviously kind of so, so violent and um and it has aspects of a lot of other action films but it has this strange kind of romance to it as well it's great isn't it, <laughs> it is <so> great. <laughs> <laughs> and and also like a lot i think what the the scenes that people reference the most are probably the two skydiving ones mm. and um even in the second one where it's so much darker with the two of them sort of like, you know, playing chicken as to how, how they're going to, when they're going to pull the cord and stuff. They're actually really kind of quite beautiful scenes rather than being sort of filled with blood and guts and people being sort of shot to death. And that's the thing at the end of this film, even though there are those scenes as well where people die and people get shot, it's actually some of the quite uplifting scenes that I think people reference the most, don't they? People talk about that skydiving one where even though they all kind of know each other's game by that point, they all sort of go sky, skydiving together and you just see <laughs> Patrick Swayze sort of doing these somersaults through the air, kind of looking like a beautiful ballet dancer. <laughs> and do you think, wow, it's like, you know, there's something about their relationship that has these moments of, re- of really just making you kind of think, oh, you know, the joy of life. It's not all darkness is it and um speaking of which uh, when we talk about killer lines from these i I will reference angelo's line when he's looking over the landscape of los angeles and he says 22 years man la's changed a lot during that time the air got dirty and the sex got clean Uh, (laughs) i i can't think of any way to describe the evolution of the world between 1969 and 1991 better than yeah, that. Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? I yeah. might get that tattooed on my arm or so. And uh, f- fair play to uh, any political satire in a film like this where you have a man in a Richard N- Nixon mask saying, I am not a crook. <laughs> you know, completely. <laughs> I mean, do you think, do you, in terms of Bodhi... Do you think he, uh, uh, like, uh, at heart, do you think he's someone who's just, you know, obsessed with keeping this lifestyle that he has? Or do you think that he is seriously quite a deranged person who really gets off on crime? I I think there's a case when, if we're discussing the fact that he has the power, that there is a fear that he'll lose it. And I think that by chasing this rush, it's proving that he has power and influence and and that he's kind of the master of his own destiny. Yeah. And he's chasing what he wants. And I think, like, there is that kind of moral quandary when bank robberies, for example, or kind of fraud, where in some way there isn't a victim because you're robbing a bank. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a bit more morally ambiguous around whether it's bad or really bad. Um, 
and I guess that was probably factored into this. You know, they're not going around robbing old ladies' purses or or things like that. So there is that element where we often find in, in cults and certain religious or political groups where there is the greed because yeah. they need they need money to fund their lifestyle or to fund whatever they claim is gospel or whatever. Yes. Um, so I think that there is an element of that too. So behind this carefree lifestyle, he robs 30 banks in two years. Yeah. You know, whether it's a victim or not, it's not his money. And he can go out and fight the system all he wants, but 30 banks is 30 rooms full of witnesses and people who are scared after death. Um, yes. So yeah. morally, from, from my point of view, he is, he is scum and must be punished. Very sensible. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined it now. This is the bit where you throw... Yeah, what could you throw into the sea? Um, I don't know. Throw my podcasting microphone into the sea. <laughs> yeah, throw your podcasting microphone. Storm off. Throw, yeah. throw, it into the, throw it into the bath and storm yes. off, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but there is an argument to be made, isn't it, that Tyler and Johnny wouldn't have, wouldn't have got together if it weren't for Bodie. Oh, he's the the Scylla Black of his day. Well, as we wax our surfboards and order the obligatory meatball sandwiches, we leave you with the question, if you want the ultimate, do you have to pay the ultimate price? I'm Rich. I'm Kat. And this has been Don't You Want Me. Can I ask you something? Have you ever been in love? If I was, I didn't know it. And you? No. Isn't that terrible? Terrible. No. It just reminds you that we're all alone, that's all.